0: And still to come this hour, America First's very own, Ashley Hayek. Director of the new film, Journey to Bethlehem, Adam Anders. Also from Journey to Bethlehem, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and We the Kingdom in the spotlight. And now, from Times Square, where only one out of every 17 people are actually a creation of A.I. Here's that, Kevin! I don't know about that, Dave. I'm not sure that one out of every 17 people in uh, Times Square is actually a creation of A.I. But I have said for a long time that the robots were going to kill us all. We got some proof of that this week. Did you see that story? Gruesome, gruesome way to die. A robot thought a man was a box and decided to just crush him. Uh, The robot, man's like pleading for his life. Please, no, I'm not a box. Please, don't treat me like a box. I I promise, I'm not a box. I don't have any. And the robot's like, you must die. We don't care telling you you got to be aware of this ai stuff man they're they're coming for us they're going to knife us in our sleep they're going to shoot us on the subway Uh, there will be no peace to be found once the robots finally get the power that they're all seeking and you know that they're seeking it you've seen your toaster looking back at you would you like burned toast no you you know that that's you know that that's going down anyway got to get to the news let's go For assignment Desk Weekend. I'm Kevin McCullough. Let's get to the news. President Biden joked this week upon seeing an elderly person stumble at one of his gatherings. The president, who never misses the chance to make every issue he can about himself, cracked to the media, "Hey, at least it wasn't me." Assignment Desk Weekend would like to point out that the crack was horrible for a variety of terrifying reasons. Number one, it reminds us that Scranton Joe hasn't been Scranton Joe for a long time. In fact, it's more like Stairway Sally. It also reminds us that all too often, the president seems to find things funny regardless of their actual inherent comedic value. And number three, some poor person fell down. A leading GOP congresswoman has filed a complaint regarding the judge in former President Trump's civil case, citing a host of documented strange behaviors by the judge. The complaint asks that that judge be removed from the case, notably left out from the complaint, looking, as he does in this photo, like a psychotic pedophile. Experts are now advising that people who own $2 bills may find out shortly that the currency is worth well more than that. Bills predating 1917 are going for as high as $5,000 on current currency markets. Assignment Desk Weekend would like to politely request, though, that as fascinating as all that is, wouldn't it be of more value to actually have the bills that we actually use in our actual bank accounts be worth the actual money that is actually represented on them? The Air Force is raising the age limits of potential new recruits. The Force, facing a severe enlistment crisis, hopes the rule change will be of some help. Perhaps it will. Assignment Desk Weekend can barely understand the mandate for the Air Force to begin with. <coughs> Go Navy. So why not let Gray hairs join? In fact, I hear that the actor Alec Baldwin is looking for his next adventure. A New York City man who saved a woman's life by firing a warning shot when he saw a criminal assaulting the woman in an underground subway has been arrested. Now, unlawful discharge of a firearm is a serious offense, especially considering it saved the woman's life. Meanwhile, the man who assaulted her is still running around scot-free. Speaking of NYC criminals, the state attorney general, Letitia James, has come under fire for bizarre appearances at the New York courtroom where former President Trump's trial is being held. Awkward smiles, as in this photo, imitations of hey, 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 and colorful wardrobe selections have been in abundance in her daily appearance. Assignment Desk Weekend, though, believes she has committed a criminal offense and she should be put on trial, mostly for her horrible ability to not be able to do Taylor Swift "Heart hands. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough.
2: You are to be the mother to a savior and king. This is the story that turned B.C. to A.D. Everything changed with the birth of Jesus. It's a story that's been important for thousands of years it needs to be told and retold jesus is still alive and this is where it all began what an amazing opportunity to be the first musical offering of a story this significant the nativity story is sort of a musical at the heart of it these angels show up and it's their they're singing, The shepherds. How hasn't this been done before? It's gone through iterations. It's been through close calls. It's been through, oh, this is not gonna happen. Oh, it is gonna happen. And finally, here we are in 2023, making it happen.
0: The music is incredible. Like that was the first thing that made me be like, oh, I need to be a part of this. Um, when I heard it for the first time, I felt like a little kid.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful balance between real human.
0: Yeah
2: problems and just
0: performance and exactly, yeah, like, and
2: theater yeah, and color surprise and surprise and just everything it's perfect it's uh yeah you just pinch yourself walk around it's a dream come true this whole thing
1: the character that i play is fun scary and it's cruel and it's tough a king doesn't need to be
2: loved only obeyed and feared what he portrayed and what he embodied when he was playing her is exactly what was in my head he embraced the movie the story the way we're telling it he's a man that in a way
1: can smell the change in the air something's going to happen that is going to affect the world in which he thinks everybody should live something is happening
2: somebody's coming that is going to change that they should call him I personally hope that people can take away the joy of the story. The joy and the hope that is revealed to Mary and ultimately to the world. From the very beginning Adam wanted to tell a story about the fact that God has bigger plans for us than even we have for ourselves. I hope that at the end of the fun and the music that they are reminded of that truth. We're so used to this story being told in a very
1: simple way, but when you really think about the cultural
2: context of the time, it just makes no sense that God would enter the world through a newborn baby, let alone have that baby be born in a barn.
0: time for the close-up.
1: I think we all remember when we were little going to the movies and just being like so in it, you know, and, and so drawn to something that feels much bigger than life.
2: People will experience the journey of Mary, this young girl who has the weight of the world on her shoulders. Just a unique vantage point in perspective that really does stay faithful to God's story, but at the
0: same time, adds so much color. It's a musical we're having fun. People didn't break into song and dance back in 0 BC, but we're going to. Fortunately, we have some
2: comedic relief. Telling an important story with eternal value, but we're having a lot of fun doing it with this music and dance that I think kind of pierces through defenses uh, in hearing the story and opens hearts and minds up to to hear it fully.
1: It's going to surprise people. People are just going to laugh. It's going to have a great time. It's going to get emotional. You, you got to rage. You know, we have
0: the Mary and Joseph storyline. We have the Magi storyline, the King Herod and Antipater storyline. It's, it's funny. It has heart.
1: It's just breathing. It's moving. It's absolutely everything. It's-
0: Ready or not he'll be right back Welcome back from Times Square. Kevin McCullough, That Kevin Show on the Salem News Channel, Biz TV, and more than 300 radio stations across the country. Glad to have you with us. My next guest is no stranger to That Kevin Show. She has already been with us uh, once this year in the debut year of the uh, brand new entity. She's the executive director of America First Works. Uh, She has been for some 15 years in the uh, political and nonprofit consulting arena, and she has just authored her brand new book called Beat the Elites Ladies and Gentlemen please welcome Ashley Hyatt Hello lady how are you I'm good how are you It's good to have you back Thanks Um for me. we're 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 getting past election day on on 2023 this week and in places like Kentucky, New Jersey, Virginia, going into uh, this uh, election week, there was so much discussion of moms and the roles that moms, and particularly moms that have gotten active and uh, cultural and societal issues, are going to play in this next election cycle. And you've been a mom that's kind of been straddling that world anyway uh, for a little while. But do you sense, before we get into the discussion of your book, do you sense personally that there is that there is new energy within that arena in terms of how they want to impact the next couple of years of elections.
1: Yeah, I've been looking a lot at this, um, just voting in general and the impact of the suburban vote, the urban vote. Um, We've seen a huge shift with Black Americans, Hispanic Americans, especially as they lean towards more America-first policies. And I think they've always been a part of, and moms like myself, we've been a part of America First policies, they just really haven't been conveyed to us in a way that is um, inclusive or involves us. And so what really happened, I think, if you go back during COVID, when parents' eyes were opened to what was in our kids' schools, uh, the curriculum, or the fact that the teachers' union was making a play to keep our kids' masked, keep them out of school altogether, um, it really created this movement amongst parents, moms, and dads, to get involved and understand what was happening. Since then, um, the issue of men competing in women's sports from a safety issue, even a women's rights issue, is becoming a a major policy um, that we're seeing so many people who I think even identified as Democrats um, are now getting behind this policy of protecting women's sports. So Actually, this is just the beginning.
0: For so many years as a woman you've been told that your vote doesn't really count because you didn't believe in aborting your baby and uh, all the like the checklist things that you had to do to be a you know a, a female voter the way that the 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 establishment media and everybody else kind of diced you up. But there is this whole new thrust uh, particularly with moms that have school age kids that don't want their kids being exposed to those kind of more radical ideas. And I I just think that this is a demographic that the smart people in Washington have never really paid attention to. They've always kind of discounted as not being legit. Um, and for a long time, I think a lot of moms have been too busy to vote, kind of some other things that they just haven't – it just hasn't bubbled up to the, to the priority. But this year, I'm sensing that there, there's a very different – Take in that, uh, because of policies like the one you just cited. And I'm hopeful that the candidates, uh, and everybody starts speaking to those issues, which you have, you have done uh, a certain degree of a good on that front in your new book called beat the elites, five steps to stop the elites and save America by Ashley Hayek. It's her first title. Um, Ashley, talk to me about why you felt this was the message you needed to put in this book.
1: Yeah. Well, really quickly, kind of going back to that point on abortion, you know, that's been the main message of the Democrat Party, and especially since Roe v. Wade. And we saw that happen in the 2022 elections, where that was the entire focus was around abortion. And I think for a really long time, you had the left arguing reproductive health and the right arguing the baby. And there has not been really a policy that talks about the importance of the woman and the baby, and that's what I think America First really stands for, is how do you bridge that gap and make sure that we're taking care of women's health, but we're also acknowledging that there are two lives at stake. And you're going to see a big difference, um, I think, over the course of the next year as those policies are laid out. Um, as it pertains to you know, sub- suburban women especially, that's going to be a completely new ballgame. And I think my book kind of is a great segue into this because you know, the left has doubled down on themselves and on extremism. And at some point it's not gonna work anymore. It's not gonna, It's not working for the American people. You have big government, big tech, big pharma, big media. Um, they've been comfortable exerting power and control over we the people. And so they've lived a life of double standard. They give us orders that they don't follow. We saw that through, through COVID. They make themselves richer, richer we get poorer. Uh, they break the rules and then they persecute us who are fighting for freedom. Um, it's a war on the American people, and it's this constant double standard mm-hmm. that we've seen, and that's what this book is about. And really, if we can come together, if conservatives can come together, that's why the cover of the book has all those little red fish, <laughs> we can take down the shark.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great illustration, uh, and I hope people can see it well. But the, you got the, this fish is made up entirely of tiny fish, and they're chasing this big shark here. Uh, what a great uh, picture. Um, Ashley, let me... Let me make an an observation and then get your reaction to it, because it's something that I've been tracking for a while. You talked about the kind of um, double standard that the left holds in contempt for the people that aren't in power. Um and this is very much the way uh, progressivism, socialism, communism have all worked. But even in the um in the in the recent battle over anti-Semitism in this country, what I have noticed is that uh, the left um, very much is empowered to tell um, the rest of us that the Palestinians are the only view that's proper in this debate. And yet, if you look at the Palestinian leadership of Hamas and others, you will see people that subjugate women, that, uh, uh, you know, when they took them as political hostages, stripped them of their clothing, beat them in public. Uh, And had people come out and share that on. Um, The people that AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, and others uh, align themselves with literally hate women. They Mm -hmm. don't want them to have the same liberties that you have here in this country. They certainly don't want you to have freedom of expression or of faith or any of that. But beyond that, they kind of hate the idea and they publicly kind of point to it. That if someone is someone like you, who's a church-going, God-observant, tax-paying, loving mother who wants a good education for their kid, and by that you mean two plus two equals two, and not that uh, you know Joe equals June, um, it, it's it, it, they, they don't have any use for it. And to me, it seems that the the left's message is so anti um it's not just america last it's not it's just not that it's not america first it's like it doesn't even register on the american scale of what america looks like am i wrong or is this the is this the image that they present
1: no this is 1000% the image that they present i can't imagine um when you look at the the college students on these campuses who are tormenting other Jewish American students, it's mind-blowing to me that that would even remotely be tolerated. And the fact that it's not only tolerated, but it's celebrated is disgusting.
0: She's Ashley Hayek. Here's the book, Beat the Elites, uh, Five Steps to uh, Stop the Elites and Save America. Ashley Hayek, you want to get this at your local bookseller or off of Amazon.com. We're coming right back from away. Ready or not, we'll be right back. Kevin McCullough. Very glad to have you with us back from Times Square, back with uh, my lovely guest, uh, Hash- Ashley Hayek, who has written this book, Beat the Elites, Five Steps to Stop the Elites and Save America. Uh, and if you want to follow her on uh, Twitter or Instagram or any of the socials, I'm I'm guessing you have a Truth Social account too. I, I would do bet. have a Truth yeah, Social. Kind of <laughs> figure you America Firsters do, um, uh, as do I. Very proud of it. Um, Ashley, you, you have five steps in here. Um How did you come to the decision of which steps to include? Because I'm sure that there were more that you could have put in there. But why these five?
1: So when I was traveling earlier this year and I met with literally hundreds of grassroots activists, everybody was united in the fact that we knew there was a problem. But everyone also felt very helpless in what we can do. And so as I was writing the book, I was looking at a lot of the the major issues, our economy, energy, uh, security, border security, safety. And so I really picked kind of the top you know, four or five issues that I felt were the ones that people could act on now and draw a line for accountability. So the book has over a 1,000 sources. On our website, BeatTheElites.com, you can go and find all of the sources. So if you were to use any of those statistics, they're completely backed up. But it's stats like on energy, you know, private jets emit 14, 14 times more carbon than commercial jets, commercial planes. And we have these elitists like Pete Buttigieg who want to uh, preach at us about our energy consumption while well, he's jet-setting all over the world um, on our dollar and on our dime. And we're all grounded at home with flights, mm-hmm. messed up holiday travel, just wait until December. But we have to unleash American energy. And this you know, EV and this uh, Green New Deal has got to stop. So that, for example, is one of the calls to action to contact your legislator. Um, and then we're continuing to build that out through America First Works or C4 over the course of the next year, so people can get involved and take back our country.
0: Well, I can't, I can't stress, you know, strongly enough what you just said about the energy crisis, and it goes beyond even what you just demonstrated by way of the hypocrisy. Um, Katie McFarland, who's on my show regularly, was Donald Trump, one of Donald Trump's national security advisors, and has advised other presidents, has said repeatedly on this show that if we were if we were producing our own energy if we were fracking to the degree that we can and we can do that extremely uh sensitively to the environment there's not any need at all to um to fear that you know the environment's going to become polluted but if we frack and drill and we produce and we have enough in our possession right now to literally last the entire world for hundreds of years, if we just produced what we had, that would bankrupt Russia, bankrupt Iran. Both of the current wars that are going on would go away because Iran's paying for Hamas and Russia is funding its war because of the oil that it's able to sell to China and others. But if we were the ones supplying and became energy dominant, not only would it straighten out all of the bogus um, uh, you know, regulations that they put on us here in the States. We would pay less for energy, et cetera. But then we would end some of the greatest evils that are facing us today. And I think that it takes something like your book to get into people's hands so that they can look at it and kind of connect the dots and go, oh, if I do this, yeah, it helps me, but it's gonna leave a world of help behind in its wake as well. So I'm so glad that you put those uh, statistics and, and sources in here, because people are gonna need them. If you were going to pick the number one thing that people could do to save America and beat the elites in this next election cycle, what are you telling people to do? What's what's the number one biggest thing that should they need to do?
1: So my greatest call to action is actually the last item in the book, and it's to sign up with America First Works at AmericaFirstWorks.com. There's a QR code in the book as well. We are launching a uh, project across the country to create neighborhood um, advocates, neighborhood activists to turn out the vote. We are partnering with a number of organizations like Turning Point Action to chase the ballot. Early vote is critical. That is how we're going to win. Um, You know, our policies resonate with people. We're seeing major shifts, like we've talked about in the very beginning with women, uh, Black Americans, Hispanics, Asian Americans, independent voters. It's a matter of converting those to actual votes. So Get involved, sign up for AmericaFirstWorks.com and be a part of an amazing movement.
0: AmericaFirstWorks.com, even if they don't have the book, they can go there right now yeah. and sign up. AmericaFirstWorks.com. Think about it, America First, it works yeah. Com. America First works.com. AmericaFirstWorks.com, easy enough to do. Ashley, congrats on the book. Uh, I thank hope you. it is a bestseller for you and uh, thank you for putting these ideas together. I think a lot of people are gonna be helped and hopefully we take- our country uh, back under control in this next election and get some some common sense flowing out of Washington, D.C., because right now we are very, very far away from anything that resembles that.
1: Exactly. I agree. Thank you.
0: You got it. Ashley Hayek, thank you for being with us. It's Kevin McCullough. It's That Kevin Show. Still to come, another highlight of Journey to Bethlehem. Stay here. Ready or not, we'll be right back. At Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone I've very much looked forward to speaking with because ever since November the 3rd, when the cast recording came out of his newest project, uh, my eight year old and 10 year old have been uh, imitating Herod uh, and Joseph and Mary and everybody else associated with the uh, birth of Christ. His new project is Journey to Bethlehem you've probably heard the buzz about it but it is in theaters right now as we speak this weekend and uh, we are so uh, glad to welcome the uh, director producer writer uh, also composer songwriter uh, he's he's touched about every aspect of this project possible Adam Anders welcome to uh, that Kevin show glad to have It's to be here you <laughs> Um, I started getting wind of your project while it was still in the making and I've always wondered why hadn't the birth of Christ been approached kind of from the musical perspective before and I I have to say not only have you have you done that? But in terms of the emotional draw of the songs and the things that are that are included in this film, you've you've succeeded on a wildly uh, successful level. Now that it's in theaters, uh, as we're airing this on Saturday and Sunday night, what is your uh, what is your thought now that it's finally come to the big screen?
2: It's hard to sum up all the emotions you feel. You know, there's reviews coming out. There's people talking. There's chatter. You know, um, and you just hope. People will see the heart of what I've tried to do. I've poured, you know, 17 years into this. I, at 1st had I'd the idea 17 years ago. And I had that exact same thought that you just had. Why, why hasn't anyone done this? And I really feel like it was kind of God tattooing this idea on my heart. Because as a creative, I have ideas, good ideas, bad ideas, you know, all the time. And the battle one you just kind of, well, it didn't work. And therefore, it, I shouldn't do it. Let's move on to the next one. Right. I could not let go of the idea. And I've had so many starts and stops. And now for it to finally be here... Uh, it's surreal, it's humbling, um, it's exciting, it's scary, all kinds of things. And as you mentioned, I did everything, so it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> like it.
0: Which is good if it works, uh, which is always the big risk with creative stuff. So my 10-year-old is my future movie director, maker, uh, creator of all things creative. I have a, a math-science kid who's his older brother, and I have probably a vocal performer who's his younger sister, but he is... He is the guy that thinks of this. And we were talking about your film in the car just the other day, and he said, Dad, um, how come come nobody ever thinks about it this way, but it's the best story ever told? Now, he's not talking about from a biblical truth-based perspective. He's talking about the nastiness of Herod and the vulnerability of Mary. He's seeing it through the characters at 10 years of age. I can't even believe he sees this, but he's looking at it from a storytelling perspective. And I've always thought we've never we've never given Herod kind of the nasty side that Antonio Banderas brings to this uh, film, and the and the and the true vulnerability of of um, uh, of uh, Mary and Joseph you've captured in these two characters. Uh, I, I'm just curious, um, did did you see the the clearly defined angles of all of these different things, these jagged pieces, if you will, that bring the story together?
2: I did. You know that original vision I had for this movie. It was all very clear to me. I saw the whole picture. I saw Mary and Joseph's love story that nobody ever talks about. You know, and you know, you think of them as humans. If you put yourself in their shoes, what was it like for Mary when Gabriel visited her, and then she had to tell her parents, she had to tell her betrothed that she was with child in that time where you should be stoned for that? Um, what was it like for Joseph to stand by her and take that that stain upon him and and ruin his family name, um, but he did it. He stayed by her, and it's heroic, and these and he, they were heroes, these two, and um, we have all these Disney movies. We have all these Elf and Santa movies. They're beautiful, colorful, fun celebrations of Christmas, sort of, they're not, you know? Why haven't we made a movie that is like that, that celebrates the true meaning of Christmas? And yeah. that's just what it hey, means. This has all the elements, the love story, the villain, and Harry, like you pointed out. And then The wise men to me, it was just obvious that the three studios, they're the unique. <laughs> I mean, my kids will not stay engaged unless they're laughing at times. So, anytime it got too serious, I just injected the wise men. Um, and it just really works,
0: yeah. Well, uh, Journey to Bethlehem is the name of the film. And, friends, if you have not seen it, this is opening weekend. Obviously, we want everybody to go see it. That's why, Adam, uh, after. Seeing the preview, I took all of my family last night, Friday night, to opening night. We wanted to make sure that we did our part to support. But when you're talking about the the level of production this is, and someone asked me, said, well, of modern musicals, like, what do you compare it to in terms of its production? I said, what's what's the best musical in your mind that's come out in the last 20 years? And they said, The Greatest Showman. I said, it's slightly better than that. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is... This is the uh, this is the level of production that people are going to get when they go in there. But really, as you started out this interview, the message is, the the, the, the the importance of this film is about what the it does to the heart by the end of it. Talk to me about what your goals are.
2: 100%. You know, I've seen this movie a thousand times when I was a filmmaker, and every time we get to the MTV scene, I, I, I tear up, I cry. It's so powerful. Um, and that's what we're building towards. With all the levity... All the things, and some people might like, oh, well, that's not what happened. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's not a documentary that didn't break into the song of the Ask the Pop music. I understand that. <laughs> you know, and, and there is creative license taken when you're an artist and you make something. Every great painter in history that drew or painted in TV scene took license. The wise men were there when the baby was born. Well, they weren't. They came later, but we've accepted that as art. And this is art. Um, but this is art with heart. And this is art with meaning. And this is something that's so personal to me because this is my faith journey. This is what I believe. I was saying in the game movie inspired by a true story, meaning it's not a documentary, but I believe it's true. So watch it with that in mind and enjoy it and laugh and sing along. And by the end, you're going to know what this was about. You're going to feel the power of this story. I didn't need to add to it at the end. I am moved by it, not because it's so great, but I did. I am moved by it because of what it means that Jesus came.
0: Well... The uh, songs will be memorable. They will. You will be uh, humming them as you leave the um, the auditorium. Uh, friends, I cannot recommend it enough. If you're looking for that new piece of holiday tradition that your family needs to watch, as ours does, they want to. By The time Thanksgiving's done, they're already pulling out the, the request for movie nights all the way through uh, the holidays. This needs to be on that list in the years to come. But this year, you need to go see it in the theater. Journey to Bethlehem uh, and the website for people to get tickets. I mean, you can get them through Fandango and all the normal places, but the, the website for the film itself.
2: Yeah, um, it's journeytobethlehemmovie.com, and you can even gift tickets to the people. Fendango's a really cool thing. If there's someone you know that would like to take the family movies, can't afford it, uh, it's a great Christmas gift. But I would just encourage you all to not wait till Christmas or after Thanksgiving, because if we do that, the movie won't be there. Right. Um, the theater owners won't keep it if nobody shows up before Thanksgiving. So go no, now. Go
0: see it now. Go there's again. no reason. Something's no reason. <laughs>
2: serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that cabin match.
0: Taking a return journey to Bethlehem tonight, here's Stephen Curtis Chapman and We the Kingdom.
2: I never knew a star could shine so bright I never saw the sky so full of light I never felt my heart could ever be like this So wild and so I no miracle's happening, cause I hear a choir of angels sing.
0: in We the Kingdom and Brand New Life, rounding out That Kevin Show. We'll see you next time.